Osiris. Welcome to the Saint Disruption Podcast, where brilliant musicians, poets, and visionaries come together to share their creative collaborations and explore what it means to be human in these times. Welcome to the continued talk with Poetica and Vernon Reed regarding their collaboration of poetry and music titled Storyteller Nation in part two of this episode. Can you tell us a little bit about the conditions around the creation of the poem? When did you write it and what what was the spark? That was um, probably around the time that we started emailing there. Um, but I was in a theater show called Drummer Warrior Storyteller. The beginning, no, the end of October. Um, an artist and filmmaker and writer Apex Zero, one of my good friends, he finally got the funding for this this theatre production, like a live um, immersive theatre production. And it's called Drama Warrior Storyteller, but it's based on, what's his name? Chinua, Chinua Achebe? Chinua Achebe? Yeah. Uh, things, and, things fall apart? Exactly. So that's where he got the idea for the, the uh, script from. Um, so then that at the time that was all happening around the same time starting the correspondence um would be there jeff and everything just tied in and made sense at the time that you know the drummer calls the people to war and to action the warriors actually fight the war and deal with the conflict but it's the storyteller that survives and has to tell the story of everybody um basically <laughs> That's pretty exciting to know. I wasn't aware that that you created this after our conversation. Wow, that brings a brings a whole new dimension to it. That's pretty exciting. It's from a theater, but which is from the book, and that's also historic. So yeah, it makes your it makes yeah. your reference in the poem to darkness. You know, you you make a reference to spending lots of time in the dark, and and it it. It's it's not the darkness of depravity, the darkness of absence. It's that rich darkness of you know going inwards to the place of the soul to source what storytellers source. You know, I I I, I love that too. So so much now makes even more sense that I know how this was birthed. That's that is that's great. Just a quick thing, sorry. Um, before all of you go to sleep tonight, I have some homework. If you haven't already, please watch my latest video, The Hurricane. If you... The Hurricane? Cinematic, cinematic that's cinematic. It's a, Is it on YouTube? It's on YouTube. It can be streamed everywhere, but it's T-H-A-H, that's how I spell The Hurricane. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a nice little watch and a listen. So this, it seems like right now there's this reemergence of, of, of poetry and deeply meaningful... Um, lyrics being mashed up with amazing music kind of hearkening back to uh brian your early career i mean it, what do you what do you what's your sense of what's happening now is it is this sort of an exciting time of reemergence of the new and the old T tell us a little bit about uh what your perspective is on the times and and the new use of and creative impulse of poetry right now you know i'm, I'm so 
so about the uh the 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 tradition and uh you know the ancient the 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 timelessness of of the storytelling you know culture that i kind of don't see i don't kind of don't see a difference you know i only see kind of a a continuum um you know i think probably the most uh, amazing thing about what I what I hear now is, and, and I suppose not just about what I hear now, but what I've always heard, is the ability to take a limited number of words and 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 use them so many ways to say I don't want to say the same thing, but you know, kind of it is. It kind of is the same thing. You know, it's always it always points back to 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 one great truth that can't be said. That, that that can actually be spoken, and um, you know, I, I guess what it really that that's the thing that probably amazes me most about every young poet and and every young person that that you know that catches my ear or you know that that actually makes me feel something is that here is someone who is able to use this this limited vocabulary to have another way to speak the truth. Poetic, you know, you you certainly are, are one of those, you know, one of those people. I'm more influenced by people who are able to to say the same things in in different ways, in a, in a different way. That is the exciting edge of of poetry and and lyrics is is saying a lot with few words. You know, it kind of reminds me of that funny um, Mark Twain quote. You know, gosh. Vernon, I'm sorry I had to write you such a long letter. If I had more time, I would have written you a short one. It was shorter. <laughs> right. In a way, relating it to music, you know, in, ter in terms of Western music, you know, we have the 12 tones to work with, you know what I mean? Of course, you can get into the microtonal thing, whatever, but what's so interesting to me is you'll get to a place where you think you've heard all the moves that people have, right? You hear all the things, you hear all the things, you know, the pseudo samba, the halfway funk, you know, you hear all the things, you know what I mean? The not, <laughs> the, you know, the not quite blues, you know, you hear all, all of the, all of the, all of the <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and you think, and you, and you hear all the kind of, it's funny because when you get to a certain point where you've been around music a lot, you've heard a lot of music, you, you hear, you can hear what people, are trying to do what they're not trying to do, what they're <laughs> pretending to do, you know, the the you know, you hear all the little the subterfuges, the this and that, you know what I mean? You hear the, you know, I'm gonna allude to this, but I ain't gonna say that, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and whenever somebody, an artist, you know, comes through and they come up with a riff, right? Because I'm I'm obsessed with riffs, you know, that repeating, that thing that comes out that's like that you could listen to it over and over again. It's amazing to me. And even certain moves that you can know what they are theoretically and hear them. It's amazing when you hear a riff that you would swear, how did this person come up with it? Cause it's because it, when the really great riffs come, they always seem mad obvious. When you hear, you hear it, you're like, <laughs> and there's nothing more, enraging then you you didn't you didn't you didn't come up with it you know what i mean somebody oh, comes I, up 
with it first, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you first it, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, every time a Jack White record comes out, I listen to it and go, damn it, he did it again. <laughs> Son of a gun. You know what I mean? Like it's it's interesting, or you know, like Prince had a genius for it. Prince had a genius for because you know Prince was a total, you know, a maestro musically, you know. But the one of his one of his great gene his greatest genius were the things that he did that were really basic, like Sign of the Times. You know what I mean? Something like it's just a minor third thing, whatever. And it's like, but he does it in such a way, or when he did Kiss, which is basically a blues, right? And I remember when Kiss came out, people were like, oh, he's done. He's finished. You know, he's got nothing left. And then he came out with this track, and everyone was like, oops, you know? Um, I love that. And it's just like the same thing with words, like expressing, how do you say I love you? Because everybody said it. Yeah. But there's something about, when a particular person is saying that to a, a particular person they have in mind, that makes it brand new. Feeling brand new, like the stylistics. It's good. <laughs> what you know about the stylistics, Chelsea? Right? I'm a thousand and one years old. Whatever. Okay, you. okay, making claims. <laughs> I know it's just a bit full. You got the cheekbones well pulled off, though. See, that's what the I'm problem is. I'm things like angel That's what the problem then. is. <laughs> Honestly, and I'm just like, yeah, Brian Jack. Okay, so he's, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, Jill Scott. Okay. Okay, let's just take it down a moment. I've brought his poetry books. I've given them to my dad and my brother and things like that. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I don't know why it's made sense for me from just such a young age, but newer music, I'm trying to do better with maybe listening to more newer music. And mm -hmm. But it just first, it just in the first instance doesn't sit in my spirit. It doesn't just resonate like that. So... Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so looking. Are you the black? Are you the black? I'm looking for the next bass riff after piano. It's going to be bass and drums, and I, okay. and I can, I can, I can already. So, yeah. So, so poetic. Are you the black sheep of your family? I'm not the black sheep. I think I'm just the one that was sent here to just do this. I don't know <laughs> to just do this. I'm the youngest though. You have, you have, you have siblings. Yeah. So our age gap is quite. Are you? Are you? Do you enchant? 
you in, do you enchant or appall your siblings? I think I would enchant them, but I'm even though I'm the youngest, I'm quite independent. So like I, I went away for university, I do my thing, I'll travel alone. Not alone <laughs> so you escaped. Basically, I, you escaped. You got out. Them. Hopefully not. Yeah, our age gaps are quite big. Uh-huh. So not just what I was listening at, to at home on a Sunday when Sunday dinner's being cooked, you know, mm. courtesy of being Jamaican, rice and peas and chicken, we're in there every Sunday. Um, and I, there's Al Green in the back, Curtis Mayfield, oh, yeah. John oh. Hull, right, Jamie Holiday, and some gospel music going on. Um, but then I also have elder siblings that, okay, my sister's born in 1980. Whatever you're listening to, I'm getting it. So the Nas, Beanie Man, all mm. just, just sounds and music. And then my brother, mm. who's five years older than me, oh, you're listening to Tupac and Beanie Siegel and rapping. And then I'm just getting it. So then I everything trickles down to me. And then I just had to take it overboard and start listening to music from the 30s and 40s. <laughs> oh. <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep going back, you know, so. You're up on your Duke Ellington? I, 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 I really sentimental is that is him, right? Sentimental mood, yeah. I That's, just um, um a version of of Caravan that mm. just like totally totally blew me away. You know, dude. I'll, I mean, I'm gonna I'll write down a little list. No, you talk about the, the trio. I'll version? say Brian Jackson told me to listen to it. That's what happened. Hold on, Brian Jackson sent you. Yeah, nine, uh, Newport Duke Ellington at Newport, 1958. That's a there's a cut on there called Diminuendo in Blue. Mm-hmm. That that song, I think I was listen. I listened to it came out and I must have been about six when that album came out and my, my parents had it. And I just remember thinking because Ben Gonzalez took a solo that lasted. I think he, um, Paul Gonzalez must have lasted about 10 minutes. You know, the mm-hmm. one side of the album was just Paul Gonzalez blowing over this, uh, you know, over this groove. And the people at, it was at Newport Jazz Festival and people just lost their minds. I've seen a couple of clips of it, you know, of what people were, were like. They just like had, he had whipped them up into a state that was just like unbelievable. And I think that was the first time in my, in my life that I realized the power that music, you know, that music has emotion. Some of my favorite tracks are just the long ones. Either, you know, the, the extended version of something Michael Jackson's done or, you know, any James Brown, you know, the boss. Yeah. Um, the payback. Like, um, and I'll keep listening yeah. over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, this is nine minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a funny, this is a funny story. <laughs> so I actually, back in the days... I actually, uh, they, they used to have these tours, the State Department of Jazz Tours, uh, the USIS, you know, which is probably a front for the CIA, but that's another story for another time. Yeah, the USI, US Information Service Cultural Exchange. And um, I was uh, with Jay Hogarth, the, the great vibraphonist, and Onaje Allen Gums, and Jerome Harris, and Faronak Lof. You know, we traveled uh, to the Middle East and India. And we were, and we had these kind of, kind of cultural attaches. They were kind of almost like road managers. So you go to a place, and there'd be a State Department official that was part of it, right? Yeah. But they were really cool people. The, for the most part, 
you know, for CIA agents. They were pretty cool people, right? And and one of them was a was a slightly older woman, and she uh, hung around. She knew uh, Duke Ellington and the big band, right? And she told a story. Said that like, like number one, Duke Ellington, Duke would get inspiration for tunes at any time. So he would be in the middle of the night, and then he would make he would he would. He would wake everybody up. You call everybody up. You know, come down to da da da. I got, I got, I got something right. So he would go, and and it was, you know, and I heard that about Prince too. Like Prince, if he had inspiration, he would, at any time you would get a call, go to the thing, right? So here's the other thing um, I was told is that if if Duke was kind of um, displeased with you, one of his ways of punishing somebody was to feature them to keep soloing all night. So he would say he would have a tune, right? Because he had this running thing with Paul Gonzalez, right? He had this kind of love-hate thing with Paul Gonzalez. And he would play a tune and go, and the next, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, the next tune is going to feature the wonderful Paul Gonzalez. Now, mind okay. you, he's, he's already played 30 choruses, right? He's done. And he would go, and he would, fall, and it would be like, he would be 20 choruses, and, he, and the crowd goes wild, and then, uh, you know what I mean? And they say, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And this next tune is going to feature the wonderful Paul Gonzalez. <laughs> oh, I'm a feat now. I'm a feat. <laughs> so we just murder, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That must have been one of those that must have been one of those nights. in 58, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice talking to music humans. Not everyone understands. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a phrase like that. Music humans. You're, you're a real poet, Poetica. Chelsea. <laughs> Everything. Oh, I feel you said. I can't help it. <laughs> it just happens. Uh, it makes sense to me that you're, I mean, just from your, from the poem that you're, when I listen to things, you know, it's, it's not so much about the micro analyzation as it is the flow and the the general feeling and the way you use words is like that the way like you know we use notes for you know it's not just although the notes are very specific but it's to create a impression you create an expression of something you know and um and i think that's what i really love about your poem is like it's so deep and full of i guess heavy uh information but it's not preachy at all no i don't know if you know what i mean it's like it's like an expression yeah, it's so beautiful, you know. Um, Thank you. That it's like you know, you can. It's like you. It's like you get these deep messages across, but you know, I don't feel like you're. Even though you are telling me what's up, I don't feel like right. you're doing it in a way that's other than an offering, you know, of truth, and it's just really beautiful. I had one question, you know. I, I don't like to analyze, analyze, but you, you when you so in one of the lines, you're like, so our, um, you talk about. Hieroglyphics, like as like you know, code, so our enemies can stay away, can stay far from we, mm -hmm. right? And I'm just kind of like, what are we, what are, what are we keeping them away from? Well, it's the energy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's there's always you could have ninety nine percent of people for you, but there's always going to be one that's not okay. It's just mm -hmm. duality. It's just science. It's nothing is ever just one thing. There's always even the tiniest slither of something else. And even what we do offer as poets and, and, and wordsmiths and spoken word artists, it's, 
things out there just aren't for righteousness. It's just in no way of righteousness or good or joy or peace or love. And whatever that is, is, is an enemy to what we're doing, which is just constant truth. We're trying to keep it righteous. We're trying to help people. We're, we're offering, we're giving, we're love is giving. So it's like you're loving people, you know. Um, I don't know how other poets feel. Some people have become poets and some of us are just designed like this. This is what I am. It's not just, oh, I'm going to start spoken word poetry and I take it seriously within in terms of what I'm giving because there is a lot of, garbage out there there's a lot of just empty it's music i guess but it's so it's everything i'm doing everything i'm writing it's it's a code in a way but not everyone should be able to read it or encrypt or decrypt it or you know or get to it really not that it's only for certain people but i think if everyone got it it just wouldn't be um wouldn't be what it was it wouldn't be special it wouldn't be powerful Um, Mm. so Mm. some things need a little bit of a concealing to you know cloak of invisibility harry potter moment just to get past it (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can try you can try (laughs) (laughs) you think you can see me but i'm looking at you under the cloak (laughs) (laughs) i'm really facing the other way (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, yeah man. Well, you know, it's so funny because when you when we talk about our truths, our truths, mm-hmm. you know, which are encoded in history and shared shared experiences, encoding the family experience, encoded in you know all the different interactions we have in the quote unquote marketplace of ideas or what have you. You know that the the thing to bear in mind sometimes is that the people, the forces are raid against they take the poetical impulse or the improvisational impulse very differently than the way we take it right because that's that's the thing something that's an expression for you is a threat mm-hmm. to them and it's interpreted as a as a threat if you're if you're if you're open to certain things and talking about certain things it's not something to dwell on but it's just a fact to know is that there are folks that are like, you know, just you being who you are, your existence is a threat to a certain modality that they in mm-hmm. about black women, about women from the Caribbean, about people from the UK. You could take your, pick your category about poets, about female poets, about whatever it is. Right. And the very fact that you are bad and bold enough to have something to say. Is like there's a there's the you know the the force arrayed is like oh you got to get back in line, mm-hmm. are you out of line? You know like so much of like one of the most interesting rhetorical questions is who you think you are, like, and that's that's class, that's race, that's gender, that's all. But who do you you know that literally that question is is um is a challenge, and it's like because it's something like who do you think you are, you know, it's usually followed with, you think you can just waltz in here and, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, 
I was, I was, I've always, I've always been curious as to why it's not like something like Foxtrot or, you know, it's always like something, what is it about waltzing that particularly enrages? You think you could just, you, know. you think, you think you can just do the running man in here? <laughs> you walk in here and, and do that. You, know, you think you can just Charleston your ass up in here? Mm -hmm. The can-can, like, honestly, there's just... Okay, you know. <laughs> Hey man, it's something about, but something about like something about saying, you know, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna cakewalk into town, right? As a, as a, as an express, that there's something about that. It's funny, but it's about a projection of identity, a projection of a self. That's like for people that ain't trying to hear that, they and really. I, I think I use like a, a non-verbatim uh, line of Saul Williams from the movie Slam, he's like, never question who I am, God knows. And I was just like, okay. Mm. Yeah. That's all I needed to hear. I was just like, that's it, that shuts it down. Don't yeah. question me and what I'm doing. This is, <laughs> it's between me. But of course that's gonna be, you know, but, that, but that's gonna come down. But, but see, a lot of times it's gonna come down because that's exactly what's gonna come down. Because you, because you're, you are out here saying what you're saying. And that's one of one of the things that's like to to just have a solidity within within ourselves to be exactly who we are at what the, whatever the present moment is. Weirdly, that's just you being you, but yeah. you being you is confrontational. And to get that idea is weird because you ain't trying to hurt nobody, right? But to understand that that is a part of what we're kind of dealing with in society. You know, is something. Is something that goes along with something that I realized a little not too long ago, that maybe somebody out here needs to hear, is that a lot of us feel that you know the most of a, a lot of us don't have any enemies. You know, we don't feel like anyone is our enemy. Okay, like I will say to I will say to you. Well, I, I don't have any enmity towards anyone. You know, I, I don't, I, I have no enemies. But then what we don't, what we often don't take into consideration is that your enemy is not just someone who you don't consider an enemy, but your enemy can be someone who considers you an enemy. They make you an enemy. Yeah. They make themselves an enemy of you. That's what I'm, what's what I'm trying to say. So a lot of times we don't necessarily know we might have enemies, but we don't know who they are because we don't look at people like that. Yeah. Right. But they are, you know, in a very real sense, they still are. And you know, one of, one of the things I've done with that is to turn enemies into opponents. Because an opponent yeah. is like it's like playing your boy playing your boy basketball, right? Y'all best, but in, in the game, y'all are opponents. Right. And an opponent is very different than an enemy. Right. An enemy is someone you need to destroy and who needs to destroy you. Yeah. An opponent is someone you need to engage. Yeah. You could actually have an ongoing relationship with your mm -hmm. arch nemesis throughout your whole life. Like, oh, we your, your arch frenemy, your arch frenemy. Just like you have to do it. You have to the best against the best every once in a while. And. That type of that type of energy, um, but it's still there's still some sort of honor, yeah, underlining, yeah. 
And you, that's what I love about movies. I'm like, ah, you see, him and him. You, think oh, the that third, you mean like the third act, the friend that's not a friend? Yeah. <laughs> Is that your friend? That's not your friend. <laughs> that's not your friend. That's not your friend. <laughs> that's not your friends. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Where activism needs to go, isn't it? I mean, this us against them thing. I, I love that, Vernon, the, this idea that we reframe the oppositional forces as, as um, not enemies, but uh, opponent. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. An opponent. Yeah. Cause like, cause, you know, people like to say, it always kills me when somebody says, you know, they game, they game in the system. Mm-hmm. And I, it, that to me is hilarious because the system is literally a game. The system is literally That's a game. I call it. It's like, it's a game. There's no rules. I think we've seen that by now. Apparently there's just no rules. The rules, the rules keep shifting, and the rules yeah. and the rules can flip. The rules can flip at any particular time. But the thing is to take animus, to take animus, and that kind of that kind of um, self destructive, you know what I mean? That kind of hatred, and 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 really redirect it. And and once we redirect it, it becomes less personal. You know, it becomes less hateful. And after all. People that are trapped inside of whatever negative, you know, space that they're in. Well, one of the things to think about is they're in that negative space. They they have to grimace when they see you. They have to go. They have to go through the whole routine. <laughs> they have to go through the. I don't like. Argh. They have to go through that whole routine, yeah. which is kind of debil. Which is really pretty debilitating for them. Really, you know. Time wasting. There's a drought of. In, I think intelligence can. Um, save people from a lot of things. I intelligence that, is funny though. Intelligence is funny. Intelligence is funny because in terms of like you could go in you can go through like ignorant and that causing whatever that causes or you mm-hmm. could actually connect to the intellect which is there because really it's just your consciousness but that can change well, the way you see a lot of things instead of oh I hate this and the system and the game but it's like okay the system is just the system, okay? So it, instead of hating it and thinking about it and leaving it there, I have to use my head and my intelligence and figure out a way to go around the game, you know, or find your loopholes or your, your cheat cards in the game and just, okay, well, everybody else is finding some sort of way to not beat the system. You can't beat the system, but we're in it. And we might think, oh, that person's got that. You know, especially with social media, how did they get to that point? And I'm thinking, but we all, most of us are, I can't say no one's smart, <laughs> sorry, but it's, we have these brains that are able to to learn and take in more information. It's the age of information, but we're all losing faculties every single time, you know, Quasimodo kind of. Mm. <laughs> it, you're, you're not it's not being engaged all the time because it is just there so i think i think the engaging with that intellect that is it everybody um can, can save you from a lot of those the, that energy hatred and being like it's the enemy and the chip on the shoulder and you know. mm-hmm. it's funny because a lot of times the person your opponent will have See, there's one thing if they ain't trying to understand you and they, you know, they just despise you. But it's another level when they kind of, you know, there's a word, you know, we use the word empathy all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a word that I 
discovered recently called Mempathy, right? And Mempathy is actually completely understanding where you're coming from. They they get it, but they don't care about that. Yeah. They don't it's like it's like That's having a judge. It's like going before a judge that grew up in your neighborhood. And the judge says, you know what? I grew up on the corner. I was on that same corner, blah, blah, blah. I know exactly that store you robbed. I used to go, I used to shop at that store you robbed. So bang, come down the gavel. Because you know? it's like they they get it, but they don't, they're not going for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you knew Clarence Thomas? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the greatest white supremacist of all time, Clarence Thomas. <laughs> They should have made him an honorary Grand Wizard a long time ago. Telling you, man. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, his story, though, is interesting because he he has his reasons. He has his reasons, and they say hurt people hurt people, and he is a, 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 a like a prime example of that. Of a hurt person. Of a hurt person. Hurting people. You know, I mean, he was... You, the thing is, he's like a polarity that flipped. You know, he was a black radical separatist. Clarence Thomas can recite verbatim whole swaths of the autobiography of Malcolm X from memory. Mm. And what happened was that it's like a polarity. It was going one way and then it flipped Mm -hmm. and it went completely the other way. There's nothing more deadly. If you're talking political terms, the liberal, the liberal that becomes conservative they, they they don't do half measures. When they flip, they go all in. Well, it's, it's all very interesting in. to see how we all how we 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 react to trauma. You know, we all have our own ways. You know, to to react to it. You know, whatever whatever it is that that helps us. You know, uh, uh, best negotiate it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just and often it's not it's not effective. Or, or it is effective. It, but his master move, his master moves when, when the Anita Hill thing, remember that the high tech lynching comment? Very well. That's one of the greatest, that, that to, you know, in terms of in the game, yeah. that was one of the greatest Marshall McLuhan media moments of all time. He took all them senators and he, they were froze, they were like frozen. He was like Mr. Freeze. He put it. He put it. He started talking about this is about high tech lynching for blacks and that blacks would think to themselves. And it, it was brilliant. And they were all. And I, I, when I heard, it, I said, "Oh, he's they're confirming him." After that, yeah, he's getting confirmed. Exactly. One hundred. And he managed to make that move, and then flip back around. But that was the one move where he went. You know. Because people like to talk about the race card. Man, he pulled out an ace. <laughs> he pulled out an ace and put it on the table. Yeah, ace of race. You know? <laughs> Dare I say the ace of spades? Oh! <laughs> Ouch! It's really amazing how we, you know, how we do negotiate trauma, you know, as human beings, you know, and 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 how... How how art really gives us the tools, you know, like like to do that. I mean, I, I know in part of what I what I feel that I you know what I try to do is about that. And uh, you know, like Gil used to call stuff what we did um, survival kits on wax. 
And, uh, you know, I know you, you know, I know every one of us here is, is, is you know, is, is searching for, for that way of, of healing, is searching for that, is, is concocting that salve, that salve, you know, to heal what ails us. And It's a nice full circle to your, your poem, Poetica, because one of the surest ways to healing is, is to create beauty out of it, whether that beauty is music or through words. Master Yeshua said, you know, conceal what is concealed and what is concealed will destroy you, reveal what is concealed and what is concealed will liberate you. That's a, a beautiful dimension of your work and your, and your, and your collaboration too. I mean, there's a lot of healing medicine in, in, in those words and that, and that uh, sonic landscape y'all created. So thank you so very much. It's, it's a real honor for uh, John and I to have been witness to this uh, unfolding. We really hope that a lot of people hear it and enjoy it and are inspired in their own ways to, uh, to create and to be storytellers. So goodness, thank you all so much for taking this time with us today to share and unpack this amazing, uh, amazing collaborative journey. We hope that uh, also hope that it will inspire many more uh, collaborations like this between amazing people. So we're so grateful Poetica and Vernon for you all coming together like this and Brian and, John, thank you so much for holding space for this and for uh, all your wisdom. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Vernon, yeah. as well. Thank you, well. thank you so much. And yeah. I would love to do it again. Frankly, I would love yeah, to work with you when you're ready. again. And, uh, and I want to thank John in particular, because John wrote me into this madness. Yeah, well, you know, that's right. That's, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Con gusto. Yeah. You know, oh, I, mean, I, heard the po- I heard the poem. I was just like, yeah. I was like, who do I know? Oh, I know Vernon. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I, yeah. Brother, I really appreciate it. And of course, to be in the cipher with the legendary Brian Jackson, I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very special. Yeah. Absolutely. Big time. I always look forward to working with you. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, John, so much. Yeah, for- great to see you, Brian. Blessings to everyone out there. If you want more information about any of these amazing characters, come to our website, saintdisruption.com podcast tab. There'll be lots of information about this episode's upcoming episodes and past episodes. We are committed to uh, collaboration and all the beauty and medicine it brings. So blessings to everybody. Thank you all once again. And uh, we did it. Thank you. Thank you. The Saint Disruption Podcast, recorded and mixed by Hamilton Media Design at Sidehouse Records. You can also find more creative collaborations on all our major streaming platforms. Visit our YouTube channel for more creative content and video episodes of our podcast. Osiris.